Volume Two, Chapter One of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jane Shanley. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Volume Two, Chapter One. Shall I tell you the secret? For the rest of the way, Violet walked with Mrs. Scobel and at the garden gate of the vicarage roderick baudry wished them both good-night and tramped off with his basket on his back and his rod on his shoulder for the long walk to briarwood here the children separated and ran off to their scattered homes dropping grateful bob curtsies to the last louding as they called it in the forest dialect you must come in and have some tea violet said mrs Scobel you must be very tired i am rather tired but i think it's too late for tea i had better get home at once ignatius shall see you home my dear cried mrs scobel at which the indefatigable vicar who had shouted himself hoarse in leading his choir protested himself delighted to escort miss tempest the church clock struck ten as they went along the narrow forest path between beechdale and the abbey house oh cried vixen i do hope mamma's people will have gone home a carriage rolled past them as they came out into the road that's mrs carteret's landau said vixen i breathe more freely and there goes mrs horwood's brougham so i suppose everything is over how nice it is when one's friends are so unanimous in their leave-taking i shall try to remember that the next time i dine at the abbey house said mr scobel laughing oh please don't cried violet you and mrs scobel are different i don't mind you but those dreadful stiff old ladies mamma cultivates who think of nothing but their dress and their own importance a little of them goes a very long way but my dear miss tempest the carterets and the horwoods are some of the best people in the neighbourhood of course they are answered vixen if they were not they would hardly venture to be so stupid they take the full license of their acres and their quarterings people with a coat of arms found yesterday and no land to speak of are obliged to make themselves agreeable like captain winstanley suggested mr scobel i don't suppose he has land enough to sod a lark but he is excellent company very assented vixen for the people who like him they were at the gate by this time you shan't come any further unless you are coming in to see mamma protested vixen thanks no it's too late to think of that then go home immediately and have some supper said vixen imperatively you've had nothing but a cup of weak tea since two o'clock this afternoon you must be worn out on such an occasion as to-day a man must not think of himself said the vicar i wonder when you ever do think of yourself said vixen and indeed mr scobel like many other anglican pastor of modern times led a life which save for its liberty to go where he listed and to talk as much as he liked 
was but little less severe in its exactions upon the flesh and the spirit than that of the monks of la trappe the abbey house looked very quiet when vixen went into the hall whose doors stood open to the soft spring night the servants were all at supper treating themselves to some extra comforts on the strength of a dinner-party and talking over the evening's entertainment and its bearings on their mistress's life there was a feeling in the servants hall that these little dinners however seeming harmless had a certain bent and tendency inimical to the household and household peace he was more particular in his manner to-night than ever said the butler as he dismembered a duck which had been hotted up after removal from the dining-room he feels hisself master of the whole lot of us already i could see it in his high is that the cabinet talk forbes he says to me when i was a fillin round after the bait no says i it is not we ain't got so much of our cabinet ox that we can afford to trifle with em of course i said it in a hundertone confidential like but i wanted him to know who was the master of the cellar there'll be nobody master but him when he gets his foot inside these doors said mrs trimmer the housekeeper mournful shake of her head no pauline i'll have a new pertater them canister peas hain't got no flavour with them while they were enjoying themselves with a certain chastening touch of prophetic melancholy in the servants hall violet was going slowly upstairs and along the corridor which led past her mother's rooms i must go in and wish mamma good-night she thought though i am pretty sure of a lecture for my pains just at this moment a door opened and a soft voice called violet pleadingly dear mamma i was just coming in to say good-night were you darling i heard your footstep and i was afraid you were going by and i want very particularly to see you to-night violet do you mamma i hope not to scold me for going with the school-children they had such a happy afternoon and ate it was like a miracle not so little serving for so many but so few devouring so much pamela tempest put her arm round her daughter and kissed her with more warmth of affection than she had shown since the sad days after the squire's death violet looked at her mother wonderingly she could hardly see the widow's fair delicate face in the dimly lighted room it was one of the prettiest rooms in the house half boudoir half-dressing-room crowded with elegant luxuries and modern inventions gypsy tables book-stands toy cabinets of eggshell china a toilette table a la pompadour a writing-desk a la sevigny such small things had made the small joys of mrs tempest's life when she mourned her kind husband she lamented him as the someone who had bought her everything she wanted she had taken off her dinner dress and looked particularly fair and youthful in her soft muslin dressing-gown trimmed with mechelin lace which had cost as much as a small holding on the outskirts of the forest 
even in that subdued light violet could see that her mother's cheeks were pinker than usual that her eyes were clouded with tears and her manner anxiously agitated mamma cried the girl there is something wrong i know something has happened there is nothing wrong love but something has happened something which i hope will not make you unhappy for it has made me very happy you are talking in enigmas mamma and i am too tired to be good at guessing riddles just now said violet becoming suddenly cold as ice a few moments ago she had been all gentleness and love responding to the unwanted affection of her mother's caresses now she drew herself away and stood aloof with her heart beating fast and furiously she divined what was coming she had guessed the riddle already come and sit by the fire violet and i will tell you everything said mrs tempest coaxingly seating herself in the low semicircular chair which was her especial delight i can hear what you have to tell just as well where i am answered violet curtly walking to the latticed window which was open to the night the moon was shining over the rise and fall of the woods the scent of the flowers came stealing up from the garden without all was calm and sweetness within fever and smothered wrath i can't think how you can endure a fire on such a night the room is positively stifling ah violet you have not my sad susceptibility to cold no mamma i don't keep myself shut up like an unset diamond in a jeweller's strong-box i don't think i can tell you the little secret i have to tell violet unless you come over to me and sit by my side and give me your hand and let me feel as if you were really fond of me pleaded mrs tempest with a little gush of piteousness you seem like an enemy standing over there with your back to me looking out at the sky perhaps there is no need for you to tell me anything mamma answered violet in a tone which to that tremulous listener in the low seat by the fire sounded as severe as the voice of a judge pronouncing sentence shall i tell you the secret there was no answer shall i mamma i don't think you can my love yes i'm afraid i can the secret which is no secret to me or to anyone else in the world any more than the place where the ostrich has put his head is a secret when his body is sticking up out of the sand the secret is that after being for seventeen happy honourable years the wife of the best and tiniest of men the kindest most devoted and most generous of husbands you are going to take another husband who comes to you with no better credentials than a smooth tongue and a carefully drilled figure and who will punish your want of faith and constancy to my dead father by making the rest of your life miserable as you will deserve that it shall be yes mother i your only child say so you will deserve to be wretched if you marry captain winstanley <gasps> the widow gave a faint scream half indignation half terror 
for the moment she felt as if some prophetic curse had been hurled upon her the tall straight figure in the white gown standing in the full flood of moonlight looked awful as cassandra prophesying death and doom in the wicked house of argos it is too bad sobbed mrs tempest it is cruel undutiful disrespectful positively wicked for a daughter to talk to a mother as you have talked to me to-night how can miss mccroke have brought you up i wonder that you are capable of using such language have you forgotten the fifth commandment no it tells me to honor my father and my mother i honor my dead father i honor you when i try to save you from the perdition of a second marriage perdition echoed mrs tempest faintly what language i knew when that adventurer came here that he intended to make himself master of this house to steal my dead father's place cried vixen passionately you have no right to call him an adventurer he is an officer and a gentleman you offer him a cruel and unprovoked insult you insult me still more deeply by your abuse of him am i so old or so ugly or so altogether horrid that a man cannot love me for my own sake not such a man as captain winstanley he does not know what love means he would have made me marry him if he could because i am to have the estate by and by failing that he has made you accept him for your husband yes he has conquered you as a cat conquers a bird fascinating the poor wretch with its hateful green eyes you are quite young enough and pretty enough to win a good man's regard if you were a penniless unprotected widow needing a husband to shelter you and provide for you but you are the natural victim of such a man as captain winstanley you are altogether unjust and unreasonable exclaimed mrs tempest weeping copiously your poor dear father spoiled you no one but a spoiled child would talk as you are talking who made you a judge of captain winstanley it is not true that he ever wanted to marry you i don't believe it for an instant very well mother if you are wilfully blind i am not blind i have lived twice as long as you have i am a better judge of human nature than you can be not of your admirers your flatterer's nature cried vixen he has slavered you with pretty speeches and soft words as the cobra slavers his victim and he will devour you as the cobra does he will swallow up your peace of mind your self-respect your independence your money all good things you possess he will make you contemptible in the eyes of all who know you he will make you base in your own eyes it is not true you are blinded by prejudice i want to save you from yourself if i can you are too late to save me as you call it captain winstanley has touched my heart by his patient devotion i have not been so easily won as you seem to imagine i have refused him three times he knows that i had made up my mind never to marry again nothing was farther from my thoughts than a second marriage 
I liked him as a companion and friend. That he knew. But I never intended that he should be more to me than a friend. He knew that. His patience has conquered me. Such devotion as he has given me has not often been offered to a woman. I do not think any woman living could resist it. He is all that is good and noble, and I am assured, Violet, that as a second father vixen interrupted her with a cry of horror for god's sakes mamma do not utter the word father in conjunction with his name he may become your husband i have no power to prevent that evil but he shall never call himself my father what happiness can there be for any of us violet when you start with such prejudices whimpered mrs tempest i do not expect there will be much said vixen good night mamma you are very unkind you won't even stop to hear how it came about how conrad persuaded me to forego my determination no mamma i don't want to hear the details the fact is enough for me if it would be any use for me to go down upon my knees and entreat you to give up this man i would gladly do it but i fear it would be no use it would not violet answered the widow with modest resoluteness i have given conrad my word and i cannot withdraw it then i have nothing more to say replied vixen with her hand upon the door except good-night you will not even kiss me excuse me mamma i am not in a kissing humour and so vixen left her mrs tempest sat by the fading fire and cried herself into a gentle slumber it was very hard she had longed to pour the story of this second courtship its thrilling unexpected joys and its wondrous surprises into a sympathetic ear and violet the natural recipient of these gentle confidences has treated her so cruelly she felt herself sorely ill-used and then came soothing thoughts about her trousseau her wedding dress the dress in which she should start for her wedding tour all things would of course be chastened and subdued no woman can be a bride twice in her life but mrs tempest meant that the trousseau should in its way be perfect there should be no rush or excitement in the preparation nothing should be scamped or hurried calmness deliberation and a faultless taste should pervade all things i will have no trimmings but valenciennes for my underlinen she decided it is the only lace that never offends and i will have old english monograms in satin stitch upon everything my peignoir will require a good deal of study they admit of so much variety i will have only a few dresses but those shall be from paris theodore must go over and get them from worth she knows what suits me better than i do myself i am not going to be extravagant but conrad so appreciates elegance and taste and of course he will wish me to be well dressed 
and so comforted by these reflections mrs tempest sank into a gentle slumber from which she was awakened by pauline who had discussed her mistress's foolishness over a hearty supper and now came to perform the duties of the evening toilette oh pauline cried the widow with a shiver i'm glad you awoke me i just had an awful dream lor ma'am what about oh an awful dream i thought madame theodore sent me home a trousseau and that there was not a single thing that would fit i looked an object in every one of the dresses end of volume two chapter one recording by jane shanley bilrick mass